Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. A new target. I am now setting the goal of 100,000 tests per day by the end of this month. US unemployment surges. It's very, very tough times for the American economy. And we look into China's coronavirus surveillance system. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. A pledge from the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock. 100,000 coronavirus tests a day by the end of April. Currently, just over 160,000 people in the UK have been tested altogether. And while he said the rate of infection in the country was doubling every three to four days, the World Health Organization said it expects one million people to have confirmed cases globally within the next few days. Setting out his five-point plan to slow the spread of the virus, the health secretary finally addressed why UK testing is low compared to some other countries. Unlike some countries, we didn't go into this crisis with a huge diagnostics industry. We have the best scientific labs in the world, but we did not have the scale. My German counterpart, for instance, could call upon 100 test labs, ready and waiting when the crisis struck thanks in large part to Roche, one of the biggest diagnostic companies in the world. We have had to build from a lower base. He reiterated calls for the public to stay at home unless absolutely necessary. But the plea comes amid fears the government lockdown is beginning to meet resistance. Every day, The Telegraph and polling company Savanta have been looking into the public feeling towards the crisis. And today's results suggest adherence to government policies might be fraying. Camilla Tomini reports. In the last 24 to 48 hours, there has been a little bit of a rebellion against some of the government lockdown rules. And this comes as figures have shown an uptick in a number of people using transport, uh, which we heard out of the press conference um, yesterday. So the Savanta poll for this morning suggested that the number of people who had left the house had risen. It's risen to 47% of people saying that they went out on Tuesday, 10 percentage points higher than the day before when 37% left the house. So that's significant. Equally, the poll found that the number of adults in self-isolation had 
dropped. So it's currently 44%, whereas on Monday it was 55%. So again, that seems to be a 10 percentage point fall in the number of people self-isolating. These results could be anomalies or it could indicate that perhaps people are tiring of the lockdown rules. What was also interesting in the polling that's come in in the last um, few hours is a drop in the approval ratings of those handling the crisis, suggesting perhaps that the public might be starting to question the government's approach to the outbreak. So, for instance, Chief Medical Officer Professor Chris Whitty's approval rating was um, 63% and it's now dropped down to 55%. Similarly, Boris Johnson's approval rating has gone from 47 to 37%, so a 10-point drop. And Matt Hancock, the Health Secretary, has also seen his popularity slashed by eight points. And we'll keep you updated with this polling, but at the moment that does look quite a significant shift in what we have been seeing in the uh, past 10 days. The figures surpassed even analysts' worst fears. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits last week more than doubled to a new record of 6.6 million as COVID-19 continues to wreak havoc on US businesses. Just two weeks ago, the record for the number of people filing jobless claims stood at almost 700,000. But new figures show that last week more people than that claimed in California alone. The Telegraph's economics editor, Russell Lynch, has been following the story. Donald Trump threatened a painful and tough fortnight for the US economy. And unfortunately, the uh, latest absolutely horrendous unemployment benefit claims we've seen from the world's biggest economy have hammered that point home in spades. So we've seen in the US 10 million people claiming unemployment benefits in a single fortnight. And to put that into context, there are 330 million people in America. So it's the equivalent of 3% of the entire US population losing their job in a fortnight. Unfortunately, like the UK, many states in the US are subject to shutdown. They're seeing restaurant closures, they're seeing factory layoffs, and it all adds up to an absolutely nightmarish GDP hit. We have Ian Shepherdson, the Pantheon Macro Chief Economist, thinks the unemployment rate could surge to as high as 16% in just one month. To put that into context, only two months ago, we were talking about US unemployment rates at a 50-year low. And unfortunately for many Americans, the US safety net in terms of employment benefits won't offer them the same kind of protections that they will get in the UK or even in Europe. So it's very, very tough times for the American economy. The NHS is preparing to release an app that alerts users if they've come into contact with someone who's tested positive for the virus. The opt-in app is likely to be rolled out when the number of new cases is significantly reduced. It'll use Bluetooth technology to connect users' phones to other nearby phones and to alert people who've been near an infected person for at least 15 minutes. Similar smartphone software has already been deployed in China. It's also voluntary, but users are only allowed to enter public spaces and use public transport if they have it installed. It entered a wider surveillance system already in use in the country. But The Telegraph's China correspondent Sophia Yan says COVID-19 tested even China's ability to track the whereabouts of its citizens. When the coronavirus first erupted, the epidemic seemed to push the limits of China's mass surveillance state. Facial recognition didn't work with face masks. Officials turned to old-fashioned human enforcement, mobilizing Mao-era grid policing to make sure people were staying at home. 
Some cities even offered rewards for informing on neighbors. Entering public areas means writing down on paper your name, ID number, purpose of visit, body temperature, recent travel history. Going home or to the office means showing a special pass. Don't have one? No entry, no exit. But China has mobilized quickly. Facial recognition now can detect high body temperatures and flag people not wearing a mask, which is still required in public places. Mobile apps track people's movements via their SIM cards, alert users to nearby virus cases, whether they've been in close contact with infected patients, spit out contagion risk profiles, a green, yellow, or red health code. And that indicates whether you can go out for dinner or if you need to be quarantined. There's little transparency about what information is being collected, how it's getting amassed, who has access to it, and what the criteria are for classifying people. Some feel they've been mislabeled, with real implications on their freedom of movement. This is one of the biggest data-sharing experiments in the world, affecting Chinese citizens and foreign residents. Beijing is touting containment success, but there are doubts over the number of reported infections and deaths. And the big worry is that this new layer to the surveillance dragnet may never lift, even after the virus is gone. British Airways is set to become the latest airline to seek government help. It's expected to suspend 36,000 workers as the pandemic grounds most of its flights. An agreement with the Unite Union would see 80% of its engineers, head office, cabin crew and ground staff furloughed on the government relief scheme. And its pilots are expected to take a 50% pay cut over two months. The International Transport Association predicts airlines will suffer losses of $40 billion. Huge numbers. But can the sector recover? I put that question to The Telegraph's chief city correspondent, Oliver Gill. Many of the bigger airlines have built up very substantial cash reserves. The likes of British Airways, EasyJet, Ryanair, somewhere in the region of about six months of cash, they could probably keep on running before they actually need to start asking for additional handouts from other places. And that's before they take any other measures that they might need to do, selling off aircraft, etc. It's not the case for all airlines, however. Virgin Atlantic are currently in talks with the government and they are in the most advanced stage of talks to try and get a bailout, which I understand is in the reach of about £500 million. It's not going to be easy for them. Having said that, airlines abroad have managed to secure a bailout or are in the process of doing so. Lufthansa, Air France have, have done so. The, the buzzword in, in, the, in the aviation sector for some time has been this word called consolidation. And consolidation comes in two main forms. It means airlines either being bought by another airline emerging with another or in fact has been the trend of late which is is actually just waiting for airlines to fail and for the competitors to pick up what's uh, what's left so i think that will happen i think there will be a shakeout so with the wider airline sector yes many will continue some will lose i think the upward trend that has happened over recent years will continue and and will come back. As to when it'll come back, that depends on when the lockdown um, is taken off. If you found yourself in the position of being furloughed or maybe you're having to put employees on the scheme and you have a question about it, our personal finance reporter Jessica Beard will be holding a live Q&A on the subject at 1pm on Friday. I'll put details of how to join that in the show notes to this episode. 
In more positive news, Shenzhen has become the first city in China to ban the sale and consumption of dog and cat meat. It comes after the outbreak was linked to wildlife meat, prompting Chinese authorities to ban the trade and consumption of all wild animals. And in the UK, the lockdown is also proving rather good news for the country's wildlife. The Royal Society for the Protection of Birds says rare nesting birds are enjoying a respite from visitors to the countryside. And the Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust says few Fewer cars on the road mean safer conditions for animals including hedgehogs, blackbirds and pheasants. If you spot any new wildlife on your daily exercise outing, please email me a picture. It's coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. That's not a journalistic shout out. I won't be putting them anywhere. I just want to see them. We all need a bit of light at the moment. And frankly, I could do with more sparrows in my inbox. You can, of course, also email me any questions you'd like our journalists to answer or topics you think I should be covering. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis, and I'll be back on Friday evening with another update. Don't forget that you can stay up to date with all of The Telegraph's news, analysis and advice for free for the first 30 days. And for just £3 a week after that, go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio. 